0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Dragons Cast. We have one of two pre-tournament episodes kicking off this week. And um, this time we're going around the league, uh, at least some of the league. I don't know if we have to cover all of it. We'll talk about that as we go. But um, I have Jerry Breach, uh, Brian Mullen, Tommy Glasgow with me. Gentlemen, how are you tonight? Great seeing you, man. Thanks for having us on again. Doing well. Happy to be
1: here. Yeah, always a pleasure.
2: I'm particularly happy to be here because last I Hofstra hasn't lost since the last time I showed up here.
0: So let's keep doing this. I gotta be honest with you, we didn't think Tommy would come back after the last time he showed up here so
1: um... <laughs> we're just snake bitten against the dragons. It's no big deal.
0: Okay yeah, it's not the podcast. that's good. that's good to hear.
1: <laughs> um, we're coming off of
0: uh, we had uh, an episode last week and it was uh, it was kind of uh, I forget what we actually titled it but it was pretty much hate has a home here. Um, which uh, coming off of the 1-3 and three Drexel weekend that we had last weekend. This one, we're coming off of a 3-0 and o Dragon weekend, in which all three of them were laughers uh, between the women and men. So uh, really nice, comfortable weekend to have in late February. Uh, the ladies are still a game up in the standings with uh, just one to play, and that'll be a game, a key game, NCA and T, which is one of the teams that's one game behind them. So that'll be a fun one to end the season on at the DAC. For them, they get the extra – time off going into that one. Uh, the men uh, had the privilege of hosting the Northeastern University Huskies. Um, and I kind of said that one, well, you know, you they beat them down pretty good in Boston. And it kind of looked like one of those games. Uh, and you know what happens sometimes where the guys have maybe partied a little bit like before, somebody's birthday or whatever. Like Northeastern just showed up and, and didn't show up when we were in Boston. And I said, you know, return trip revenge game. They're going to come down here. They're going to give us a hard time. And then the first half didn't look like that. And we got the halftime up about 11 or 12. And I said, man, but you the second half, Bill Cohn's got something up his sleeve. You know, here let's, let's watch this first five minutes of the second half. And it was just the first half, which was actually the first game again. You know, it, we, they, were, they played 80 minutes and Northeastern was there for zero of them. So um, really weird to see from those guys, to be honest with you, in that organization. Um, kept waiting for that other shoe to drop and it was not coming. So that gets you up to speed on the Dragons, and we'll get to a podcast with Bill Leon Anthony later on this week. But for our present company, we've got some fun storylines as we approach the District of Columbia. Um, let's, um, I'll, I'll be biased. Uh, I've been told on the podcast we have not covered Yame Butler enough. Uh, he's been basically every third word, for those of you guys who haven't been here for the last month. But he's averaged 20 a game for the month of February. And it turns out he's pretty good. We can't – a lot of people want to blame Zach Spiker. I mean, he didn't play at Fordham. He scored 10 points a game in in Juco last year. I don't know what's happening, (laughs) Um, bluntly. But all of a sudden, the Dragons have a a legitimate scoring guard. Um, They have Amari Williams, who's the number one uh, plus-minus guy in the league uh, for the season, Um, if you're into that. Which, after a full season, allegedly stabilizes. So, they have, they have some guys. So, I think one of the storylines that we're going to talk about as this goes on is going to be the Dragons, because I think they're a very interesting five seed. Um, and we'll talk about whether you can win four games in five, to games in five, four days. I don't think this Dragons team can. Let me cut to the chase there. But I would like to talk to you guys and have the smart people talk about it. Um, well, let me open up the floor. Um, Jerry, you have the honors, as it were, representing Hofstra University. By the tiebreaker, right? Ouch! By the tiebreaker, co-champs, co-champs. I'm not a believer in co-champs. I, I'm gonna give it all to Jerry. I apologize, Tommy. I'm not either. It's
2: uh, it is it is a little weird. I'm not gonna uh, Hofstra's won four championships and two two were shared, and like you know, I don't. know This year might even be weird. I don't want to go on a tangent, but this year might even be weirder than 16 when Hofstra split with Wilmington, and at the tiebreaker went all the way down to Northeastern had to beat Drexel on the last Saturday of the year, and if they didn't the tiebreaker would have been uh, RPI the next day, which is like the NFL version of the coin flip. You ever see those NFL record of fact books? Mull knows what I'm talking about. They list all the tiebreakers. It goes like net touchdowns in all games and blah, blah, So, so that was weird. But this one's a little bit weirder because they only played once. And, you know, viva a long schedule, but it's lousy for Charleston and for anybody else who who, who um, I think Stony Brook lost out on a tiebreaker to Northeastern. Or vice versa, sorry, because because Stony Brook beat Drexel once. I I I I don't like it. I wish there was a round robin, but twenty four game schedule <laughs> probably not happening. But all that said, I'll take the bragging rights for now, and hopefully, on, uh, in nine days, they're they're a little more sturdy. So um, yeah, I, I just and I guess I, we we'll probably talk about this too when we talk about the, the race next week. But it's absolutely remarkable to me that Charleston is a officially a two seed. You know, certainly coach champs, but officially a two seed, and they lost their games by five points. That blows my mind. They are five points away from a perfect league season, and they're a two seed. And that's like, so Hofstra had a hell of a finish, obviously, hell of a finishing kick, and is a really good team. But how was Charleston a two seed when when they lost one game by four and another game by one? I, I, I just, that hit me today. Like, Charleston. And I just looked up. East, um, Eastern Washington lost by eight last night, and their perfect season. So I'm gonna assume that the only other team that came close to a perfect season actually did. All Roberts, right on the Summit. They finished 18 and zero. I uh, how, how how good is Charleston <laughs> that, that 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 they that they lost three games and the two in the league were by five
0: points. We know scores can be misleading, Jerry. And I gotta tell you, they were dominated by one at the deck.
2: Okay, <laughs> and I got to say they were dominated by four by Hofstra five days earlier, <laughs> so so really uh, you know uh, you know if you saw it right I know but but no it's just I just you know I just wanted to throw a shout out to Charleston just because uh, it's remarkable and and I hope that uh hope that Hofstra beats them in four overtimes on Tuesday night and that Charleston gets a bid at thirteen and four because it's can we curse it here I forgot if we can curse here or not go to town Jared. go to town <sighs> bullshit. That these guys are sweating out if they don't if they don't win three games next week. It's bullshit. They're gonna be sweating out. It's bleep 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 that they may not even have to sweat out Selection Sunday. I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't know where the bubble is and all that. I know it there's a urban legend, Brian might know more about this. Uh that VCU was wasn't even gathered on Selection Sunday in eleven. Was that true,
3: Brian? That is true. Yeah. I've heard they, that, yeah. I yeah. felt like uh
2: they weren't going anywhere. Or they weren't going to place at least. Yeah, it
3: was it was clear that George Mason was going to get an at large right. bid, and right. uh Old Dominion won the tournament, and yep. um everybody, you know, three bid CAA was a Twitter joke. Hashtag.
2: That's right. Hashtag. That's it right. Reality. Much simpler, much simpler times. Yeah. So, so like, uh,
3: yeah, they
2: yeah, like two weeks from now, like they're going to be sweating out selections. I mean, who knows? They should they, they should be in whether they win three games or if they they should be in. I don't care if they lose; they're not going to lose. Yeah, you know, they're not going to lose the first round. Just argument's sake, fine. Twenty-eight and four; they should be in. <laughs> they've done everything they can do to be in, and they haven't had haven't had a have not had a slip up. It's crazy.
3: Look at their dominance. Yeah, go ahead, Tommy. I mean, you've been watching it up close and personal since those two losses. Just kind of glancing over here at their schedule, it's uh, they've left no doubt about who the better team was. on the-
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, since since the bubble-breaking setback at Drexel. Uh, Charleston's won their next seven games by 24 points on average. They've had multiple 30-plus point blowouts. The closest game was against Towson the other day where they came back from down 10 and won by 8. I agree. I think it's BS that they even have to sweat this out, especially if they get to, like say, the CAA tournament semifinals or finals. To me, I mean, there's been a few... We just recorded a podcast about this recently, so it's all fresh in my mind I mean, the thought swirling in my head, and this was kind of a, an off-season question, if the CAA expands a year later, is Charleston sweating this out as much? Mm. Do you figure their strength of schedule would probably be better to not have the drag of some of these newer teams? Maybe they get a second crack at Hofstra, get a split. Maybe they win the regular season title, and that gives you a little bit of of leeway with the, the selection committee. Um, maybe Hofstra, you know, all all like the dominoes falling if uh, if that expansion doesn't happen when it does it's got some people wondering but it is dumb that you know West Virginia Bob Huggins says the other day that West Virginia should be comfortably in and not even sweating it on the bubble they're 5 and 12 I think in the big 12 and so the argument that like how would Charleston do if they were in a bigger league I don't know they could probably do better than winning (laughs) like you know (laughs) losing twice as many games as you win they could probably do better than that so uh, yeah, I mean, the life of a mid-major fan, we're all frustrated, but you can only control what, we can, what you can control, and that means you know taking it out of the selection committee's hands because you know they're going to make the wrong decision.
0: I was going to say, Tommy, I mean, do you think, I don't want to sound too harsh, but do you, are you sweating it if they lose in the semifinals?
1: I think there's two reasons why Charleston would get left out. One, their opponents in the non-conference have let them down. North Carolina has not been as good as we thought. Virginia Tech's not been as good as we thought. Kent State's been pretty solid, uh, but even those 2022 tournament teams like Davidson and Colorado State that Charleston beat haven't lived up to the billing. But number two is the Drexel loss. I mean, like that literally felt like the bubble popping. I think that's a game Charleston had to win. You have to find a way to not lose that game by one. I don't think the team realized the implications at the time. Uh, otherwise, I think they would have, you know, made the adjustments to to get that win. Um, but that's the worst loss on the schedule. And I think, I think you can survive losing at UNC and losing to the co-regular season champion. I don't think you can survive the Drexel loss. So I I do think Charleston's going to be on the outside looking in um, because these P5 teams are just going to keep getting cracks at Q1 and Q2 victories down the stretch here. And Charleston's not going to get that.
2: It's, fu- it's funny you talk about the one loss. you can't. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt Brian, but so let want to say real quick, you the- talk about the one loss you can't afford. I mean, I when Hofstra got, got screwed in, in 06, and I can't say curses because Molly's still up, but when Hofstra got screwed in 06, there were three bad losses. VCU by 23,000, which was you know down then by three, or these least by 16 on the road, and Hofstra you know, barely missed. Now it's like we're talking about one loss by one point to a team that these guys are, are watching the CAA should know that Drexel's you know, Jekyll and Hyde, they're great at home. The road's not so great. It's, all right, so you, you won 16-2. That's pretty good. It's it's crazy that, that one loss in 17, six, 17, 17 years, it's gone from, okay, you had three lopsided losses to two subpart teams of ECU to, oh, you lost by one at home to a team that, Crane, did they run
1: the table at home? Lost to UNCW, right? Yeah. Well, that's right. Double, it, right, yeah. double overtime.
0: Uh, double overtime when they lost uh, Austin, or Amari uh, Williams in that game, yeah. So eight and one at home. So
2: it's the context is like okay, pretty pretty solid team and just unbeatable almost unbeatable at home, and that might cost Charleston a bit if they don't win the tournament. It sucks it's if crazy. they
1: go to the finals and lose, they'd have thirty wins, which is really hard to keep out. But I would not doubt the committee's ability to make the wrong
2: decision. Right, they can do that. They can figure it out.
0: They <laughs> they've got that play drawn up already. It's already in. Indianapolis and in the in in Hyatt somewhere,
2: so right. right. <laughs> man. So let's
0: let's talk for a minute then. Um, we we don't we know we don't vote for the OCA teams, but but I think it's a hard team this year. I think it's a really hard team this year. Uh, I, Jameer Nelson's forcing him on it in my book, but I, I saw those games where Jair Davis was out, and he was very very average, and I, and I kind of don't. I don't know. It's Delaware hate going on there, but he's he's a first teamer because he's he's, he's the numbers just say he has to be. The I would imagine unanimous know, player of the year is Aaron Estrada. Am I wrong here? It's my pick. I would think so.
3: Has to be. He's the best player in the league.
0: And I don't think it's close, right? He was the preseason player. But like I mean, I, it should be unanimous of um, the Hofstra guys can't vote for him.
2: Right, right, right. Be, be twelve to one. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Be twelve to one. Cam Holden is probably your next name. Everybody, everybody with me here.
3: I
1: I go Timberlake over Holden. Yeah, me too.
3: He missed three games. I think he's a second teamer. Yeah. I think, uh, I think he, he and Timberlake both are second teamers, to be honest. I think Timberlake had some nights where he, he was unbelievable, but he also had a few nights like the night he just had here in Wilmington. And I think it all depends on when you saw him as far as the voters go. You know, he's not a guy that consistently put up 16 to 20 every night. You know, he got his average by having some 30s and some sixes or eights. And, um, He's very good, but like I, I can't, I don't get caught up in like how many people from each team are on the team. Like Tyler Thomas had a better year; he was consistently excellent. And uh, without Thomas, I don't think Hofstra's close to winning the regular season no, championship.
2: No, no, because no,
3: when you've got two guys out there, two guards that are that talented, there's not a lot you can do to take take them away. You know, you've got to guard them both with your best defender, but you only have one best defender, so you're going to have to make <laughs> right. a choice. Uh, right. Dalton Boland's obvious to me. I mean, I don't care what the stat sheet says with him, but to me he's the heart and soul of the program and everything that the team's about that won 28 games. Mari Williams is the same way if you took him off of Drexel. Huge, huge impact there. So, yeah, the Towson guys, you know, Holden miss those three games, and then Timberlake, like I said, just a little inconsistent. I think they're more and they, they underachieved, let's be honest. They were picked first. Every they had everybody back. Three preseason first team all conference guys, which has never happened in my recollection in the league. They finished third.
2: Yeah, I've I've got uh I would say uh I have the four guys that are close to no brainers for me, and that's Estrada. This is uh, Estrada's player of the year. The next three we can argue we can good naturally argue uh the order. Uh I think Tyler Thomas is first teamer. Uh it's echo everything that 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 Brian said. Um and they certainly would not be co-champions if he hasn't saved their bacon last Saturday night against Stony Brook. So uh Amari Williams, same thing. And I I I feel like you got to put Dalton Bullen on there. I am just, just echoing Brian here, but I agree. And you know I'd love to hear what Tommy has to say as a Charleston guy. But you know, 16-2, he embodies that team it's I know that they are some better better than the parts team, but I feel like you got to put Someone from that team out there, and I just feel like that guy is the perfect embodiment of what they'd be able to do this year.
1: I'm pleasantly surprised you both have him. I <laughs> agree. I think someone from Charleston has to be on there, and we had this debate a few episodes ago. Like, who would you put on there? Because really, there's nine guys who have about equal, you know, weight on how how this team goes. But yeah, Dalton Bowens, his his personality is you know reflected in that entire team, and he's the coach on the floor and inserting him this year versus not having him last year as you know done a, a 180 on the season so yeah I, I have him on there I have Amari Williams on there Estrada is my player of the year I think last time I was on here I was hating on Jameer Nelson Jr. a little bit but I think you know them nudging up to the sixth seed and like Crane said I mean his numbers are you know hard to hard to push away um, I like the Thomas pick I had Timberlake as like my first teamer um, but there's, to me, there's like one or two open slots that could go a, a couple different ways. What do you think, Rain? Yeah,
0: I felt like there's a lot of fringy guys, fr- fringy guys this year, right? I mean, there's, there's kind of that that the clear number one. Usually, you've, I feel like you usually have four or five guys that are clear, absolute number one. Um, you know, I think I, I'll take Dalton Mullen. I agree with you guys, but I don't think he's a clear number one, right? Like, you know, um, so it's it's interesting with that the top of the second team, bottom of the first, is to me fairly going to be fairly interchangeable. Um, but um, I, I'm, we'll take. I mean, Amari certainly deserves to be up there. I, I think it's he's been a frustrating to, to, to guy at times to watch as a Drexel fan because you only want him to do everything all the time, forever, and there are some times where he's human. Um, so it's a uh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're they're so defensively reliant on him. As Jerry well saw at, at Hofstra, um, you know, our, our guard defense is kind of, uh, well, we expect you to get by us, but he's underneath, you know. So, yeah, he'll take care of it, right? We got a bouncer. I got a guy for that. So, um, yeah, that's 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 neat. Um, yeah, it's, it's a it's, – all right. So, I
1: think that puts us in a decent place. Um, no one from the new schools, huh? No one from – your Hamptons, your Stony Brook's, your Monmouth's.
0: Brian threw out a good name middle of the year, right? I know you liked uh at and uh, t Cam Woods.
3: Cam Woods. He's good. He's good. He hit the wall a little bit. You know, people figured out that, like, we can't let this guy score 30 if we want to win. And, um, you know, high, pretty high-energy guy. I think just the, the wear and tear of the season kind of caught up with him a little bit at some point. And, but, he you know, he's certainly – He's dangerous. He's the kind of guy in this tournament that'll, you know, wouldn't surprise any of us. I don't think if he went off for 30 one night and beat someone that they weren't supposed to, or at least scared them. Very, very.
0: Yeah, he's a sophomore who led the league in field goal attempts. That, that kind of tells you a lot. They were they were riding riding high on him. Right. The uh, the my
2: my guy for that like, uh, not a first teamer, but could could have a heck of a week <laughs> next week is Tyler Stevenson Moore, who. Didn't play against Hofstra in Game One, and Hofstra never trailed. And they he was couldn't miss until the last four minutes of Game Two, uh, when they put Dubar on him. You know that that guy. You know we talked about this last time. If Stony Brook, you know, had a little better health; they'd be a lot better. <laughs> and that's a team that just took blow after blow after blow. Um, so what I saw of Steve and Moore, I saw him. I guess, did he beat? I'm not being a wise guy here, Crane. Did he hit the shot to meet
0: Drexel? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, I saw that game on S&Y up here, and uh, that, that's a little nugget. We should talk about TV deals, shouldn't we? <laughs> um, Might slide that in. Hofstra just, yeah, Hofstra just got one. We'll talk about that in a minute if you want. Um, and then against Hofstra, seen some more last week, was just phenomenal. Had no answer for him until Dubar said, all right, I'll take care of him. And uh, held him a scoreless last four minutes, and Hofstra held on. So, yeah, that, that guy, he was he's, a, he's like Brian, you know, Brian was, you know, always says old old guards win. He's a I I think he's a fourth year. He's fourth year with a chance to come back next year. So you know, that's a team you kinda you feel for Stony Brook because you know they're in the three thirties, but if they had a little more good fortune, you know, they're probably fighting Delaware up in the up in the up in the middle there.
0: Stony Brook strikes me as the poor man's Delaware this year. <laughs> well, there you go. That's I what mean, I said. They would... Yeah. Hey. I mean they they had misfortune, but you know they have they had two big dogs. Um you know who, who can do something, and, and the rest of the supporting cast is just not able to be supportive,
2: yeah. And and, and their six foot ten and seven foot guys just shoot threes all the time. <laughs> um, I was talking to uh, one of their one of their radio guys is, uh, is a fellow stringer at, at uh, hockey at Islander Games, and he's just like, they're going crazy, like, they're six, ten, and seven. A few, we got no inside game. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, why are you shooting threes? So, yeah, they're kind of you know, they got the, the great guard, and then kind of like you said, the other pieces aren't there yet.
0: That's a job, I wonder. You know, there'll be some, some interesting ca- coaching carousel discussion as we, yeah. as we end the season yeah. here. That's what I'd wonder about. Yeah, there seems to be some buzz. seems to be some buzz there, doesn't there? Um, but, Jerry, since you alluded to it, <laughs> since it's our favorite co- topic, um, I, I heard through the grapevine uh, there was a s- small notification put out that uh, Flow Sports has been renewed for eight figures over four years uh, don't all cheer at once um i'm getting my own unique take on this because uh, mls just went on an apple tv deal and we actually had a really good setup for mls here in philadelphia uh, where our local cable station had it and youtube tv doesn't carry that station so within the viewing area they were allowed to stream the games on the website for last year so you can either see it by stream you can see it there and then if you travel the country espn plus had the games um so one way or the other, you had coverage. Doesn't matter where you were, you could see it. You could see it in a package you probably already had with ESPN Plus. that, you know, Apple comes in takes over, and uh, they've actually they've. I one thing I got upset about is all of the games are at night now, um, by and large. So I can't take my daughter to a game because you know it's past bedtime. Um, and it's just it's just a TV thing. They wanted all, as many games as possible to be same time. They kind of got like their own red zone thing that Apple set up to do to go flash through the games. But I'm wondering about. They play the second game of the season next week. I'm going to be at a bar in DC. How do I go up to the bartender and be like, So I have an out of town soccer game I want to watch, and you need a subscription to Apple TV. And after that, you need a subscription for their MLS package. And can I get that on this TV? Like, I'm not, I don't even think I'm going to be about trying, you know? <laughs> and that league thought that this was, I mean, it was an obscene amount of money, but that league thought that that was a good idea because they've established enough viewership that you know they don't need to grow the brand as much anymore you know this was a a, a league that has been doing nothing but growing for the first 25 years um every every they have to fight for every every eyeball in, in the united states really um so to to now take this position of we don't need that that local coverage anymore it was kind of crazy they're also all doing it out of a studio jerry they're doing all of the games oh, nationally out of, out of a studio so enjoy that
2: well, well- well, B- Brian, do you think that they'll let them know if there's a guy who pulled something in warm-ups? <laughs> <laughs> Here's Player X. We've talking about him for 45 minutes. We haven't the player at all. Slept,
3: missed the bus. Yeah. yeah. In there. Where,
0: where's, where's, where's
2: that player been talking about? Oh, he's not on the premises today. He's sick. <laughs>
3: they were on site for Charleston Towson, maybe the first time this year. And then uh, I don't know if they were... FANA called the game Saturday, but I got the feel. It was a different analyst and I got the feeling that maybe they were no longer on site.
1: Well, that's why I thought they traveled on site was because they were both going to do the Thursday, Saturday swing and that didn't end up being the case.
3: And, And that's why I assumed they did that game instead of, and I know they wanted to, they used it as the score got out of hand, as we all expected as kind of a Valentine to Charleston and promoting their tournament case, which was fine. You know, I had no problem with that. I mean, the former LaSalle coach was the analyst. And, uh, you know, he's certainly a credible person as far as a mid-major and went to the Sweet 16. And he was adamant that, that was a tournament team because of the style. And um, So that added, you know, in the, in the end of the day, that was probably a better game to televise than that UNCW Towson offensive inefficiency contest that took place in Wilmington. So it probably worked out.
1: So, Dan, are you... uh Pro new media deal or anti new media deal?
3: I'll
0: say this: Apple did a really slick job. I mean, the first game was yesterday, and, and I mean, they had drones everywhere. They had like the, it was everything that's in 4K. It was like it was what you envision Apple would do. Um, so it was it was slick. It was slick. It was nice. Um, We're expecting the same from Flow, right? Do, do I love not? You know, I'll have to bring a laptop with me, you know, to watch it elsewhere. So I would imagine that's going to stink. I'd like to be able to go to a bar and do the whole thing. But, um, on, you know, and I'm curious – got to dig, Tommy. I'm, I'm curious if Charleston didn't pay for Fanta and the crew to come on down. Um, it's not budgeted for the league is what I can tell you. That travel was not budgeted for and, and would have had to get approval from somebody or unless one of the schools paid out of pocket. Um, And if they did pay it out of pocket, good on them.
1: I don't know, but I know national media – Love Charleston as much as they love Bruce Springsteen, so maybe they (laughs) made made an excuse to get down there. That's the line of the year, right there. Yeah, I don't have the
0: rights. I don't have the rights to Born to Run to play in the background right now, but we'll. uh, (laughs) I I spent two hours today on the Jersey Turnpike, Tommy. I'm I'm ready for you. Um, Yeah, the flow deal. Listen, there's again they there's enough money there to make an argument for it. And um, I'm curious to see, you know, they've made it clear. It's not all going to CBS this time. There's also four more teams that you're going to distribute them through. So it's not that much more money because it's being split 14 ways instead of 10. At, at least four more teams. How dare you, Jerry? Um, <laughs> but uh, the little sisters of poor not, have not announced they're going D1 yet. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, if it's an amount of money um, that, that, you get more games on CBS. Um, I'm told uh, there's going to be some some movement around potential flex games, flex type of games. There will be a set schedule going in, though. Um, I think there are, there are going to be games that are set at the beginning of the year that are not going to be movable. Put it that way. For most of the season, there may be some additional pieces to it. Um, so I don't love that. <laughs> um, I think I think you you we we've said it, Tommy, you were leading the with the flag on this one, but they have to flex some of these games, I and mean, these games were awful this year, just awful to have on TV and represent the league. Um, so that, that not getting fixed bugs me a lot. Um, the fact that it's flow and they're going to charge customers and not get eyeballs bugs me a lot, obviously, as, as brands, you know. What's interesting for me is that most of the league is, and Jerry, you can speak to this, you know, has, has gone, especially in the northern elements, to the regional sports networks. And that's where I look at it and when you compare Drexel's package regionally to the other schools in the area, linear TV wise, it's competitive with Temple. You know, it's, it's out, the production quality isn't, but the, the uh, as far as number of games on TV locally on a premium network, MBC Sports Philly is, is a big deal around here. Um, it's got the Sixers. You know, it, it's. Um, I'm. Fairly happy on a regional basis with where we are, and getting on national TV three or four times a year. You're not going to have with ESPN. Does anybody see it on CBS Sports Network? I don't know. Um, I'd be curious to see like numbers for one of our games versus like an ESPN, two ESPNU, Sun Belt game or something, just to see what the what the eyeball numbers are. Um, but you start looking at the math that way and say, hey, we're getting three national games. We're getting 14 regional games. Now, Monmouth is also putting games on NBC Sports Philly, and so is Delaware. So we get a couple bonus games that way. We play some city games. We get some bonus games that way. We're going to end up with Directle 20 games on regional TV. And if you have other teams in the league and they're operating it in that way, okay. You get 15 to 20 games on regional TV and three on national. That's a pretty good package for a CAA-level team. So I don't hate it as far as linear goes. The thing I hate the most probably is that we're going to make this argument that it's about... Um, how the future is going and how this is all about, you know, features going streaming, it's going cord cutters, it's going this, that is literally the opposite of the reason. You're doing this deal for the money to get these games on t- linear television. Nobody's seeing it. No cord cutters are seeing this on flow. 30 dedicated people to your program are seeing this on flow. No additional, like you're doing this for the old school television. If you wanted to be cord cutters, you'd be on ESPN+. Plus. So the bullshit lines from the conference are kind of what bugs me um, more than anything else. Cause we know how they're talking and where they're talking from and it bugs me. because we're not stupid, um, but I don't hate the deal. How about that? <laughs> that, that that's high praise from crane. <laughs>
1: I don't know why we expected anything different. Yeah. You know, given like, you know, there's obviously some new additions to the league, but I don't think any one team was pushing for anything different. Like, They all want to maintain their regional television flexibility, which is only going to be possible with Flow. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Dan. Um, You know, Flow is going to cut the biggest check, and it's probably just as simple as that. Um, I would not have hated an Apple TV deal or an Amazon Prime deal for less money had it been out there, because there's more overlap with sports fans on those platforms than on Flow. Like I know, Dan, you have a buddy on the podcast who watches like racing or. Riding or, or whatever on on flow but uh most people there's no like flow is niche audiences and those niche audiences aren't checking out other niche content so yeah i, I wish um they would have gone with a different provider but flow provides the flexibility and the financial incentive to, to partner with them so i wasn't surprised when it was just a renewal at a larger price to accommodate the the extra teams I don't know what the future of regional sports networks is. Like we see Bally is belly up and headed toward bankruptcy. That whole like business seems like it's on its way out. I think eventually we'll see a a future where teams just skip out on regional networks and just provide their content over the top via streaming. Um, that's kind of what's happening here in DC, monumental sports with Jones the Wizards and the caps. They bought out NBC Sports Washington and now it's, you know, they're just going to, you know, provide everything in house. And the LA Clippers are doing the same thing with like, you know, they're streaming stuff. So I don't know. I don't know if like you want to partner with regional sports networks. I don't even know if kids recruits, prospective students watch TV. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think they watch full basketball games. I said that on my podcast the other day. I don't think kids tune in at seven o'clock and watch a full game. I think they check out, check what's what's happening on Instagram and maybe tune in. So I have a lot of different thoughts. They're all kind of scattered in my head, but um, TLDR, I I wasn't surprised by the deal. Yeah. I think
0: I've, I've my other big takeaway is that, and you've heard this before, but the league needs to have a leadership stance and some incentive. You have this pool of money. Now production quality has got to get better.
1: But is there, there's not an incentive, right? They they said they want it to improve, but there's no like punishment if it doesn't improve.
0: It certainly Not doesn't sound here. like it, right? Yeah. It certainly doesn't sound like it. I, I The other piece to me, um, if I'm Drexel, so let's look at this from, and I'll use a, a generic school that nobody roots for, Elon. If, right, if I'm Elon, okay, <laughs> um, I go to New York and I'm on, I'm on MSG Network. I go to Philadelphia, I'm on ABC Sports Philadelphia. If I go to Delaware and Monmouth, I'm there too. If I go to Boston, I'm on Nesson. Like My brand is getting out there. If you're northeastern and you go to elon you're you're on nothing you go to uncw you're on nothing you go to charleston and that actually annoys me a little bit you go to charleston you're on nothing and they need to there needs to be incentive if we want to call it that we need to be they, they need to be on regional sports networks at this point you know at this point Drexel's paying for elon's exposure um and and it's not happening vice versa so either elon needs to pay drexel some money for that exposure you know, or they need to have have something set up regionally. Um, to me, if I'm a president of a school and I'm really concerned about finances and so forth, and equality and whatever else the league's going to say that they're concerned about, everybody's got to have a game on CBS Sports Network, right? Everybody gets a game, it doesn't matter how bad you are. So if we need that kind of equality...
1: Yeah, I just don't know... I don't know where. Like, I, There's a lot of schools down here and not a lot of regional sports options not a lot of networks i mean there is a valley i think there's something in atlanta but a lot of the uh like the comcast sports south and some of like whatever there was when i was in school no longer exists so i don't know where where the content goes for for all these the southern half of the league
0: yeah it's interesting i mean and i don't know what the finances. you know there's a piece of this that i don't know certainly right but um you know with i'll go back to soccer i mean the union were on phl 17 which is a not a a sports network but as a regional you know, over the air network. That was kind of a second tier regional, you know, your CWs, whatever else with the world. I, I tend to think there's, there's some big markets between Charlotte and Atlanta, um, that feel like they can, they've got some, some health and some appetite. Uh, Brian as our other Southern representative. I mean, you have any, any, my off base here.
3: No, I mean, Tommy hit the nail on the head. A lot of the regional networks have, have gone away, uh, I live in I mean, I live in North Carolina and can't even get the Charlotte Hornets games oh. <laughs> on any type of regional wow. sports network. Jeez. And uh, the Time Warner Spectrum, whatever, has been in a battle with uh, Masson for like 20, 20 plus years because we technically should be getting the Nationals game. Not only do we not get the Nationals games, like when the Dodgers. I've got the package and can't watch the Dodgers when they play the
0: nationals. I do. I love that you're blacked out North Carolina. I do. That's yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's a North Carolina's a a mess. And now we have what? Three, four, four members of the CAA. But um, yeah, our situation here is not good. So I don't know what the solution is. I think it's definitely, it's like a lot of things with the CAA. You have people have different wants and needs depending on where they are. And, you know, The flow package is what it is. They need to make sure the best games are on the CBS package. And if Charleston would have been on there seven times this year, so be it. You know, they earned it. And if you don't like how many times you're on TV, play better. (laughs) You know, because they need the best games. We missed opportunities, you know, the CAA missed opportunities to really showcase some great environments, that first UNCW Charleston game comes to mind and uh and several others and uh we only get so many opportunities to to kind of and they've got to upgrade the flow package across the board everybody should copy northeastern they have the best production yeah
2: they're great yeah i i kind of want to piggyback on what uh time was saying you know like when when Ho- hofstra just announced the deal with msg starting literally two nights ago with the hofstra drexel women's game uh th- thanks for handing us the loss on that one crane got off to, got off to a slow start there but um yeah. And I, I thought, you know, uh, my first thought was this was a big deal. Cause, cause I'm old and I still have cable, but you know, in the nineties, um, you know, Hofstra football paid to have its games on sports channel, which is the precursor to Fox sports, New York, which is the precursor to, I think MSG, you know, all the corporate mumbo jumbo. Um, and that felt like a big deal back then. Cause you know, and they, and they played their games on Friday nights when back then it was only high school games on Friday nights. So, like you, Watching surf on the net, oh, or surf on the channels, oh, there's Hofstra football, and they drew pretty well back then. Um, and and like, so my first instinct was like, this is a, you know, this is this is key for Hofstra. This is a big deal. This will draw some eyeballs, but I don't know if it will. You know, I guess that's my thought because kind of, you know, I go, you know, old school at that. But like, I'm sure Tommy's right about kids. Just,
1: I don't think they channel surf. I don't think people channel. Yeah, they definitely don't channel surf.
2: Definitely don't. No, no, no. Kids younger than us definitely don't, um, and just like like you said, like they, they they don't have to watch the games to be able to talk about them and to know what's happening. Like I, I didn't see it, but just an example that that crazy Iowa Michigan Michigan State game last night. Uh, you could pick that up pretty easily, right? If if you're if you're online and, and what happened and and, and talk about it if you want the San Diego State, uh, want the buzzer over Mexico. And, you know, we are the outliers. I think and that we'll sit down at whatever time you know, the team we're watching is playing or whatever time, the league we're watching is playing and, and sit down and not move. I'm not sure, you know, and like my my 74-year-old dad, casual fan, yeah, all right, I'll, you know, if you, first he's, A, he's not a Nielsen house, so what does it matter, right? <laughs> but B, like, all right, yeah, all right, you, Hofstra's on, sure, I'll put it on for while I'm, you know, reading the newspaper. I just, you know, it's good for Hofstra. Um, and, and like I said, like Tom, Tommy said, that the northeastern model is, is 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 the standard so it's good to get on the tv it's good to get on linear tv i just don't know you know uh how many eyeballs are out there we talk about you know not a lot of eyeballs with with the streaming but i'm just not sure who's gonna even like d- does anybody you know younger than 35 know about msg <laughs> you know unless you're a knicks fan or a rangers fan
1: i will i, I will know. say given when you do have a team that's popping off one year, like Charleston is this year, there is a lot of frustration from fans who want to buy in and, you know, couldn't get a ticket. And they're like, how do I watch the games? And it's like, Oh, well it's on flow sports. And they're all, they're out already. They're like, Oh, I guess I can't watch it. So yeah, I mean, I wish they were on regional TV in Charleston, but there's, like I said, there's not really an option.
3: Well, Wilmington used to do produce in house about three or four games a year. That would be on the local nbc affiliate um but that doesn't there doesn't seem to be any motivation to do that or anything I, you know you never hear any discussion but it, you know and it would sometimes be somewhat spur of the moment where they would okay this is becoming a big game late in the year whatever let's tell them i think they're more concerned now with selling tickets and selling the building out first i understand that
2: too. yeah like the, the rsn thing like who knows what, like Tom said like who knows where they're going to be i mean declaring bankruptcy and like you know, smaller market teams like the Rockies and the Pirates are like, what are they going to do? It's like, yeah, I, I don't – it doesn't feel like a happy ending coming up, whether it's next year, five years, ten years. It, it doesn't feel like, you know, that's going to end well, uh, uh, the traditional delivery of games as we know them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think MLS has it right in doing it as a single entity, but they do everything as a single entity because they're a single entity organization. The teams are all owned by the league, right? It's really tough. Baseball is a great example because, you know, the Yankees already own Yes and the, and the Red Sox own Ness. And so they're not going to want to deleverage, you know, the, the shining beacons of their franchises in order to go to a global package. But there might be a a social security net, you know, a MLB, MLB for, for teams that don't have their own type of thing. I could see that happening. It'll be interesting to watch. I, I got educated here a little bit on, on Southern RSNs. So this was, was helpful, guys. I appreciate it. Um <laughs> I will I will put my rage into something else. Um, <laughs> yeah, the other thing on flow and I enjoyed this, Jerry. Um I got home from bombing down the turnpike today listening to again Thunder Road on a loop for two hours. And um I was about five minutes left in the Drexel women's game against William and Mary. And I haven't one real regret I have from the season, I haven't gotten my daughter to a women's game, but I really wanted to this year. Um we'll do it next year. But they were on and I was like, You wanna watch the the big girls play basketball for five minutes? And she's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got in the house. We turned on Flow. You could not get this thing turned on and Flow. I couldn't even find it for the first three minutes. And then when I when I finally found it, it w- it just it would not load. So we ended up watching the last five minutes uh, because I had to please her at some point. With well, the last five minutes of Drexel at Hofstra women's game from the other day. Oh. Right. And and I yeah, well, yeah, it was the end of a blowout, which she was fine with. But um, it was well produced. I got to tell you, I, I thought that, that was actually, uh, I thought the Hofstra crew did a nice job there.
2: I'm biased, you know, they, but they do a really good job and, and again, I'm biased, but I think you know, like Dan saw it, I think, you know, if anyone sees, picks up the MSG broadcast, it's not going to be like, you know, it's not going to feel like an amateur hour, the pros at Hofstra and they're really, really good. And, and they can handle the, the audience that is going to, uh the bigger audience of an MSG. It's not going to feel like a student broadcast, but again, like, like, like to circle back to, to the first topic talked about, like you got to make it, you gotta have standards, and the league's got to say if we're gonna do this streaming thing, everything's got to meet. You can't have one school looking like, you know, uh, you know, the Northeastern Hofstra are great comm schools. Other schools, we talked about, it's different qualities, not quite the same. It's not their fault, but I mean, I should like, like, you know, there just may not be budgetary issues. I guess I should say, we got to figure out a way to streamline it so that. If schools don't have the infrastructure to deliver, you know, a Hofstra slash Northeastern product, get help them get closer. And I don't want to, you know, knock anybody, but we've all had games this year where, like, we had a hard time hearing that, right? Hard time seeing that. Um, and it's tough when it's all under one roof. But again, to go back to what we've all been saying, everybody's different. There's, 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 there's no uh, uh, uniformity, I guess, for lack of a better term.
0: All right, the media wonks. We'll take our day, take our day into the sun. Um, thank you guys for that. Let me get that off my chest. Um, and talking about that because it's it's a big deal for the next four years, locking the league up. Um, let's talk about the tournament. Let's talk about what we're really here for. So, and and um, I continue to yield my bias in this podcast um, as I steer us off a cliff. Um, we'll certainly talk about our top four, but let me just do a blanket statement for the bottom eight. Nobody's ever won 4 games in 4 days in the SEA tournament.
3: And nobody's going to this year.
0: <laughs> Brian's like enough of this, get to the chase.
3: <laughs> is it is,
0: is it possible would it I mean if 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 you had the right team, you know, if something happened where there were a bunch of injuries or something, you know, like is it even feasible to think, you know, model year that somebody's going to win 4 games? Is it I, mean, it's,
2: it's such I a think stress. it's
1: possible. I mean, we almost saw Elon do it in the COVID year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's doable. They were pretty close, but
2: William Mary, the year that uh that just happened. Shavers was at 07, 08. William Mary won on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I think Larinaga beat them. Grr. Um yeah, I mean, I don't I don't Tommy, but yeah, it's, you know in a couple runs to the finals, but
1: no, I only a team can go five games in five days. You can't do four and four, but now that five and five is possible. That's right. It's, it's very doable.
2: That's right. That's right. That's right. So we're gonna go from we've gone from can we get two bids this league to where's Hampton <laughs> or Monmouth gonna play in Dayton and like we thought there's no chance that there would be a team lower in the uh, you know the 68 team was the NEC champion right and it's just not not to spear t- that off but they got like every team is in the 300s it's fantastic uh, like oh wait if Ham- Hampton or Monmouth win it okay a yeah. unit though right if they can win a game that's right <laughs> so a team wins five. A team wins five games regular season and wins five games in five days. <laughs> Chaos. <laughs> <laughs> the,
0: um, I mean, the other thing I was going to say here is that the in the past, if you were playing four games in, in four days, you were a seven-seater below generally, usually a nine-seater below. So you weren't very good for most of the year going into it. When you have the five and six involved, we've seen people win out of the five and six. Um, yeah. It gets a little bit more interesting, right? It's a little more spicy. Yeah. Um, I think Delaware's the sixth this year. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. And, you know, Drexel's, I think, a bit of a unique and interesting case here uh, because Drexel is Amari Williams going down in the UNCW game away from being the four.
1: Um, Funny and ironic that Drexel, who all season was like, eh, they're not quite good enough to be in that top four, but they're definitely not in that bottom quagmire. And now there's like a nice visual representation. that You're know, like that little nub with like the... <laughs> in the bracket with the fourteen fifteen game leading into it so it's just right. it's fitting that you know right. Drexel has their own right. little spot in between the buys and the, the quagmire
0: it's such a unique story and, and then and then you have they didn't play that final Saturday
1: right I was gonna so, say that,
2: that perfect they, they stood up they stood up they stood, stood to themselves this weekend right and then like Tom said I didn't think about that yeah they get their own little spot in the bracket hi we're Drexel we're, we're not quite there <laughs> but we're definitely not down there and we're just kind of here <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting thing. They have 10 days off. The team they're playing will have played the night before. Uh, I, I can tell you the first five minutes of that game are not going to go well. Um, but, you know, it's one of those interesting things. I can't tell if, um, if I, I shouldn't get tickets for Sunday yet or if I should be getting tickets for Monday. Um, but I feel like there's no middle, um, with especially with this team and, and with them being back and healthy. Um, I'm optimistic, is what I would tell you. Um, but. We did really well after our hate episode on the pod last week, so i to try to come at it the other way in the, uh, in the next podcast I do with the Drexel guys. Um but I think I think they're at least interesting. But I wanted to open the floor up with this, um when we talk about our top four. Um I, I had a call out of the blue from somebody I consider a really smart guy the other day, Jerry Earmuffs. Um and, and I said uh it, we, we, we had this whole call, we went for a little bit uh, uh Plot into a work meeting. Don't tell anybody. Um, and uh, right, right, right before he was going to hang up, I said, hey, hang on. Who you got? You got to tell me. Charleston or Hofstra. And he said, wait a second, what? I think you mean Charleston or Towson.
2: But now they play in the semifinals, potentially. So
0: Now they play in the semifinals. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, that, that one side of the bracket just feels way heavier than the other to me.
1: Yeah. Thanks a lot, UNC Wilmington.
0: <laughs> it was a fantastic yeah, collapse. I was, I was rooting too. for it. Yeah. Um, so I'll turn it over to Brian. I'll put the I'll put the. Cause he, he's he's more of a neutral party here, but, um, you know, uh, when you look at you want to rank your top three contenders. We'll say, I think we all can agree that Wilmington is probably fourth. Uh, Brian, if you've got your top three, who do you like? Oh, disagreement already.
3: I'm trying to avoid recency bias, but I'm having a hard. I'm going to have a hard time this week because I think about this tournament. Unseen the end of the UNCW-Towson game. And I think a healthy Drexel with Williams and the emergence of Butler with a few games under his belt, that was really the biggest concern I've had with that Drexel team all year was like, who's the guard that can go get some points? Well, they have that guy now. I think he's proven that he could be that guy in the tournament. And, um, you know, Drexel, the payback option there. So I think Drexel and Hofstra play in the top bracket. I think they're playing in the semifinals. The the bottom seems extremely chalky. I mean, I don't think there's any question that Charleston's gonna beat Stony Brook or AT. I think Delaware is going to be as healthy as they've been all season when they play Towson. Uh, I think they'll have their full roster as it is, with two borderline first team-ish all-league guys on and some guys who clip the nets the year before and a coach who, who led them there. So I think Delaware Towson in the eight thirty slot on Sunday night is a potentially a very interesting game that could kind of muddle up the bracket a little bit. Um, but, I, but I'll just be stunned if we don't get the, I mean, Charleston and Hofstra dominated the league. They've been the best two teams all year. They're the best two offensive teams are the best two defensive teams. I'll just be surprised if they can't figure out a way to get to Tuesday night.
2: I like the way you think. I will subscribe to your newsletter. <laughs> uh, I, I have a a, a quirky, uh, you know, a little ollie quirky drop here for you guys. Uh, I looked this up uh, today, uh, a little before we got on air. So Hofstra this year, in league play only, had 13 wins by double digits, 7 by 20 points, at least 20 points, and then 2 by at least 30 points. Charleston had 13 wins by double digits, 7 by 20 points, 3 wow. by 30 points, and last night, so I guess you guys are the favorites, but so I, I did a little bit of, of n- n- number crunching um, and just looked at some of the best teams, you know, in, in recent memory. I think the probably uh, Mason ten eleven was probably the best team, uh, you know, top, top 50 team, both on both forms. Right, right, Brian? Yeah. Top 15, both, both ends of the floor and Mason that year had 12 wins by double digits in, in the league, in the league only, I should say. And, and six by at least 20 points. And again, that comes to the CA was better back then. So, is what Mason did more impressive? You know, Hofstra and Charleston, you know, they, they they. this is, as we talked about plenty of times, this has been an unusual year for the league and kind of new teams coming in, some old standbys really scuffling. But uh, so that, that, like I said, there might be, you know, I, I could do a little bit. I looked up Drexel in 12 was eight double digit. Eight double-digit wins, three by twenty-plus points, one by thirty. VCU was six double digits, four by twenty. So, I think Hof and Charleston, uh, you know, or certainly, it's uh, I don't know if a historic right word, but it's it's been an impressive level of dominance that they've shown. Um, so yes, yeah, so we, we look at stats like that. Like it's hard to envision anything other than one, two for all the marbles, and would hopefully be a great game on Tuesday night. But you know. Drexel, you know Hofstra should be okay in the one eight nine game. Uh, this could end up cold takes exposed. I sure hope not. But you know Drexel, or or you know, and you know, talk about recency bias. Like like Brian was saying, Wilmington just had a handful of games like that this year. Where they just everything just went ice cold. They were tied with Hofstra at the half and lost by twenty four. You know, they scored two points in twelve minutes last night in the game. Eleven minutes. I kind of like Drexel in that game uh, if they get past twelve thirteen, which Dan they will. You'll be fine. You should buy tickets for Sunday. Don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, Drexel with a guard, with a shooting guard, a scoring guard, with Williams. You know, being Williams down there, uh, you know, Warren Williams has been great down the stretch for Hofstra. But Amari is, you know, he, he's he's the closest thing we've seen to the Commodore since Nathan Knight. I mean, he's a remarkable player. And so you know, that's that's a real if if Hofstra if Drexel gets to Monday, you know. Uh, you know that that's not a sure thing for for, for 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 Hofstra by any stretch, and like like Brian was saying, you know the Charleston bracket. Um, well, you know again, if Towson, Towson could lose a week from right now, he could be down fifteen points in the second half, or they could you know be that team like Delaware last year where the expectations weren't met, but for three or four days they get hot and. But I, I, you know, especially how well they played against Charleston for a little while on Thursday night, and how well they played against them up there uh, in the opener. Now, you know, you I can see um, potholes for the favorites, but you know, the easiest, uh, the most obvious, uh, you know, straight, you know, Occam's razor, one versus two. <laughs> you know, so um, uh, I, I, you know, and I and I hope it's I hope it's that way for obviously because you know Hofstra guy, but two historically good teams, you know, like Brian said, top two offense, top two defense, the first 16 and two tie in league history. Let's hope that the two best teams get to Tuesday night and, and, uh, and, and see who has a better 40 minutes to get, uh, to, to get the auto bid with the loser getting the uh, at-large bid.
3: Yeah. The fact that they only played once with this goofy unbalanced schedule to just yeah. would add even more intrigue to that game. Right. Um, Cause, right. Uh, yeah, Towson does remind me a little bit of Delaware last year, veteran team that was picked to win the league, that underachieved in the regular season, mostly because they didn't defend night in and night out, that maybe decides for three days like, okay, this is it. We gotta play some defense. If we play some defense, we have a chance. But yeah, the league deserves it deserves that chalk on Tuesday on CBS Sports Network.
0: Yeah.
2: The time you're going to pick, you're picking somebody against Hofstra, right? You're picking Charleston to get picked off in the uh, on Sunday afternoon.
1: Charleston versus <laughs> Elon. <RC line>.
2: We, <laughs> yeah, we right.
1: got yeah. we got the draw we wanted in the quarters. We didn't want to face Delaware there because you know something weird happens and Davis and Nelson combined for 50 points and you're going home early. Uh, and they played us tough in Charleston, but UNCW couldn't get it done. We were all rooting for the Seahawks the other day uh, because we dominated them in the last time, uh, but. Towson's had her number in both games this year and probably should have won the first game in Baltimore. if Charles Thompson makes his free throws down the stretch. Um, but I, I had said the whole time, you know, whether it's Hofstra or Charleston, whoever you got to go through two of those top four, presumably to win a championship. And yeah, we wanted UNCW and we get Towson. Um, but yeah, what, what beach and Brian both said about Towson kind of flipping the screw, turning the page and being like, Hey, forget about us underachieving in the regular season. And having that same mentality that Delaware did last year is really scary. Plus, you know, maybe some signs of a home court advantage if Towson fans, you know, have one last one last little road trip in them. Um, but I do think I'd rather be on the other side of the bracket, um, even with you know having lost to both Hofstra and Drexel. But that that side seems a little bit easier to get to the finals.
2: Yeah, and like, and if it ends up being if if Drexel wins in the five twelve, and then uh wins the five four, you know, that that's a classic example, right? Of a team playing a third game in three days where maybe they're ahead at the half of that second half, right? The last ten minutes, maybe the Hofstra, if Hofstra can get out of that one eight, nine, you know, rest of Strada and Thomas for five minutes down the stretch. That's one of those games you start to see. We saw it with Drexel versus Elon in the championship game a couple years ago. That that second half just they were out. Elon was, you know, gassed. Yeah. So, so the double buy really helps, you know, the, the top four here. Uh, if you get to, if you get to, uh, Monday night,
3: and, and Hofstra earned it by getting the number one seed, but like they play at noon on Sunday. Yeah. And then, yep. uh, they play at six on Monday. Yeah. And, you know, that's, yep. that's a little bit of an that advantage, matters. in my opinion. Yeah. You know, yeah. So that, that yeah. the, the second game on Monday night might not tip till nine o'clock and might go yep. to overtime, you know, and, <laughs> might be 32 uh, official reviews in the last four right. minutes in the monitor. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you're back at your hotel resting and, and getting ready for the championship game. So, I mean, that is, uh, you know, if you can breeze through that noon game, like you were talking about, Jerry, that's a, that's a nice, nice advantage point in the semi.
2: And I remember in 16, they just couldn't shake Drexel. Were you in Baltimore in 16, Dan? Oh yeah. 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 Couldn't Just couldn't shake Drexel. I don't think they ever trailed, but just, you know, stayed with eight and 12 and, one, played 40 and the 35 played 38 to 40. And does that matter? You know, does that matter? And then the William Mary classic the next night or afternoon. And then, you know, they're up 12 or 13 on Wilmington and just faded in the second half. And, you know, if they can get to, you know, be up by 20 with five to go sit a stratus sit Thomas and, and just finish out, you know, that eight, nine game. Uh, hopefully that pays benefits on, on, uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Uh, Monday, Tuesday. Well,
0: that's where roster construction kind of favors Charleston, doesn't it? Just because they've got so much, you know, nobody's playing 30 minutes a game. Um,
1: Yeah. Hopefully that that helps us down the stretch. I I really liked how prepared Pat Kelsey had the Cougars last year. They obviously get a big upset in their first game against Hofstra. And then I really took UNCW to the wire and wore them out for their championship appearance. So I have faith that Kelsey will have the boys ready, and I, I hope their depth. Helps him. We're all sweating it because we know we're off the bubble, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: we're all sweating now because you know, uh, you know, it's it's sixteen and two. You're, you're fretting over the the two and what can go wrong. And you know, you, Dan's fretting over playing a team that's going to have just played in front of you know thirty five people on two o'clock <laughs> on Friday. And I think it'll be all right, Dan. But that's that's time of the year, right? You, you think about the worst case scenarios.
0: We've yeah, lost to both of them, Jerry. We've lost to both of them. It's <laughs>
2: <laughs> but this is closer to well, you. Better play Hampton there because it's closer to, to Philly. If you play Monmouth, you're closer to uh, closer to a road game. Then then they might be
0: screwed. Like don't think there's going to be sellouts. The, the other thing I looked at. I mean, USCW usually travels pretty well. I expect to
1: see you know a decent Charles, presence. Charles, 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 Charles is going to travel well, right, Tom? Yeah, I think we'll. People know it's a special season. They're going to, I think they're going to try to make the trip.
0: I was going to ask you about the time. So, because say William & Mary, if they beat Elon, they'll have some people there on Sunday for, for William & Mary Hofstra. Hofstra's the one seed. They'll bring some folks. You know, like that first session feels like, uh, you know, Drexel will bring a boss or something. Like, it's not going to be empty. It's not going to be full, but it ain't going to be empty that first session. That second session. I mean, Towson didn't bring people when they were the one seed in Baltimore. I know. I know. I mean, they're not going to bring anybody. Delaware Northeastern may literally bring double digits between them. Um, you know, like 10. And when I say double digits, I don't mean 90, I mean 10. Yeah. <laughs> um you know, Stony Brook. I don't know I don't know NCAT yeah. at all, so I couldn't tell you. But like Charleston feels like the only folks who might ch- I mean that could be really empty. Those those night sessions. Like yeah. really empty. Practice facility empty.
2: Yeah, the uh it's 2020 uh William Mary drew really well and then Elon stunned them on Sunday night, and the next night it was Hofstra, Delaware with not a lot of Delaware fans and decent amount of Hofstra fans. And the Northeastern Elon, which was, shout out to our buddy Brodsky. I mean, that was about it. I mean, it was Mike and a handful of his friends. And man, that place was just empty. And then the next night, it was decent. You know, more Hofstra than Northeastern because obviously Hofstra's, Hofstra's a, uh, easy, easy enough to stomach drive down 95 on a Monday afternoon or Tuesday afternoon. But yeah, yeah, it, it, it's, you know, you got to be hoping if you're the league for a myriad of reasons, but Charleston Hofstra, that probably you'd fill up, you'd fill up, you'd fill up the, the uh, entertainment sports complex because Charleston's going to travel great. And, you know, Hofstra did okay two three years ago. And I think, you know, you know, talk about special season, chance to do it again. Hopefully this time go dancing. Oh God, don't, don't get me going. Don't, you don't want to talk about the things I've been thinking about could go wrong. <laughs> if the, the the spy balloons, right? But um, yeah, I, I think you know, one, two, Charleston's gonna travel great from day one. Hofstra, you know, generally speaking, that that base that base will come down if we get that far.
1: You guys, you guys on Amtrak have no excuse. Drexel, Hofstra, uh, Towson, you know, that's that's an easy trip into DC Union Station.
2: Oh, I know, I know, but. You know, a whole other topic is, you know, pro sports up here and getting people to like the, the smaller college sports. Right, Crane?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, that is the thing, right? You're the best place for college sports right now is a double-A baseball town. hundred percent. hundred percent agree with it. Um, but uh, I will tell you, I, I plan on taking the Amtrak, and I love it, and it's, it's just an easy trip. So, um, no, I'm, I still love it being in D.C., and I think it's, for alumni bases, still a, a really good place to be. If, if you're a school and you make the championship there, you have a rich alumni base in Washington you can you could pull a, a few hundred in for a championship game I think for a chance to be on the floor you know after after the whistle you know blows so or the buzzer sounds so yeah i mean it's 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 good tournament good location uh, just a lot of these games just don't have any juice cuz of the newcomers and and, and we don't have the rivalries and and, and whatever, whatever the case might be but we have, uh, seven, we have teams up- th- seven teams that
3: are in the seven teams that are in the 300 that has a little bit to do with it i mean that's the yeah. sad reality yeah, like, if we had four of those teams in the two 50 to 200 range, um, you would say, okay, you know, that's team, that team's dangerous. But like you said, the fifth seed Drexel lost to the 12 and the 13. So, um, on a neutral floor, uh, anything is possible, I guess. That's I'd have to
0: check. And we might've lost the 11 and 10 too. <laughs> Don't worry. We've beaten the one and two. So, or the two and three. Yeah. yeah. It's so a weird team. Uh, I wondered, from a perspective, what ten days off will mean in that third. You know, if, if they were to make that third game, it's it's going to help them out a little bit. And the Yami Butler thing is interesting because uh, not only not only does he score twenty a game, he did it playing out of position to the point he played point guard for the month of February. Guys, he had three assists in the month of February. <laughs> <laughs> so he was pointing
3: yeah. pointing toward the basket.
0: Right. I'm going there. I'm going yeah. there. He was down. Yeah. Uh, he assisted himself on missed shots, getting his own rebound and putting it in more often than he assisted his teammates. <laughs> putting the ball off the week backboard. And <laughs> so it'll be interesting if they get Justin Moore back and have a legit point guard along with, you know. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I have I have dreams, but I, I also have seen... I mean, they're banged up. They're banged up. And I think multiple games, in multiple days is not good. So we'll see how healthy they arrive.
2: This, 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 this doesn't feel like a four and four days year. I mean... The, the top two teams are really good. You know, the, the three and four seeds. And the rest you know, just aren't that Wim- good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Wilmington was great for a while, then they kind of hit the skids. Towson could be, like yeah, we haven't talked about a thousand times this podcast, maybe they lose Sunday. Maybe they went. you know. It just doesn't feel like this is a year where, uh, you know, two teams are going to shake loose with the top four and kind of open a path for the team playing on Sunday.
0: Yeah. Towson, Tommy, you talked about getting the draw that you didn't want. Towson got the draw that nobody wanted, right? They got, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe Wilmington too, but I think Towson got it worse with, with Delaware than Charleston. Yeah. Then probably, I mean, that's, it's a tough road. It's a tough, tough road for Pat Scary. Yeah. Um, but they've got the seniors. They've got the seniors. They've, they've got the guys who, you know, for me, Towson, I don't know if it's an effort thing, but when, when they all show up, they're, they're, nobody wants to play them. They'll beat you up.
3: And that's what Scary has said. Scary said repeatedly, like he's, if he could just get one night where Thompson, Holden, and Timberlake are all firing at the same time, it's like one of them or two of them, but never has it been three of them. But if he could get a night, a couple of nights like that, he thinks you know they could be dangerous. But um, they have to do it. They need to get over their uh, tournament blues through the year, through the years. They've been in the eight thirty game as much as anybody. I know that.
0: That's right.
2: <laughs> at twenty twenty, yeah, yeah, which wasn't even an upset by Ken
0: Palm. Ken Palm predicted that Northeastern win, right? Yeah. Ken Palm loved Northeastern 20. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I want to see Taz and Charleston. I selfishly want to see Taz and Charleston just because uh, I think it's two totally different constructed teams. Play, you know, they, they play as differently as you could possibly play. They were constructed as differently as you could possibly construct them. Put them in a tournament scenario and, and let, let the thing go. I think, I think it would be a cool one-game small sample size indicator on how, how to how to build for March basketball.
2: I'd be fine with that if Hofstra won the one four game and then Hofstra, and then Towson and Charleston played, you know, four overtimes. Please do that. Yeah. Show that depth, Tommy. Show that depth they got.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean both both Towson Charleston games lived up to the billing this year. So a third one would probably be pretty awesome.
0: All right, guys. I'm gonna hold you to it. One pick. Who wins the league? I'm gonna go around the horn, which for me is Jerry Bryant and Tommy. Tommy, you get to go home first. So it's Jerry, what's up?
2: What's oh, your one man. pick Damn
0: it. on the spot? Damn it.
2: Damn it. I knew this was coming. This is like high school. I knew I was getting called up to speak, and I just still stunk. <sighs> um, I really I – like mean, this is a tough one. I, I really like Hofstra's uh, draw. You know, I like it better than Charleston's draw in terms of getting a Tuesday night. Um, you know, I, I just go back to what we were talking about a few weeks ago and, and what had to – uh, everything Charleston did right in a loss got to the free throw line a ton, you know, just, you know, and I looked at Tuesday night against uh, Thursday night against Towson. In fact, I might still have the, the box score up here. Um, you know, they, 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 I don't know the numbers, but they, they weren't hitting for three in the first half. In the second half, they went to the line, what, 27 times or something. They turned into Towson. It took four, three pointers. Four yeah. And like, you know, I don't think, you know, when you haven't lost in, in eight weeks, like Charleston hadn't lost at the end of December, End of January, yeah, you maybe keep chucking threes because they're going to fall, you know. If they're not falling on the first half and nine nights from now, you know, I was really impressed with how they adjusted and 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 changed their game plan up and, and you know won that game uh, by going inside and hitting some free throws. And you know, I, I just I think we all hope that you know if Charleston loses, that they'll get an at out, large bid, but. I don't think any of us believe it, right? And I just feel like, you know, that, you know, really just such such an impressively well-put-together team. And so is Hofstra. I just feel like that'd be, you know, even talking to you know, some fellow Hofstra fans, like, yeah, that just feels like, you know, we get to Tuesday night and just gets our heart ripped out of our chests like uh, like uh, Bart's babysitter, right, Tommy? You don't need this, do you? <laughs> Throw the garbage can. Simpsons reference, took an hour and 10 minutes. Um, I, I would probably say in a heck of a game, hell of a game. I just feel like Charleston's just, you know, I don't know. I just feel like, and it's at the, you know, beach hex maybe, but Charleston, you know, everything went Charleston half to one by four on a night when Charleston, you know, shot terribly from three. And then to see what Charleston did on Thursday night against Towson, like that really impressed me. And I just kind of feel like, you know, and then again, we're talking like, you know, for those guys, third game in three days. I'm going Charleston over Hofstra in an instant classic in uh,
0: Tuesday night. All right, Brian.
3: I've gone back and forth just thinking about it the last couple of weeks. Really? Uh, I love guards. I've made that clear. I think Hofstra's guards are better than Charleston's guards, like on the surface, but, um, I just don't, I don't know. This, this Charleston team has just felt special, you know, from the beginning winning the Charleston classic, uh, and and just the consistency. It's the hardest thing to do in sports, and Hofstra's done it as well. Just like night in, night out, be be who you are. Be really good. If you're supposed to win the game by 10 or 12 points, win it by 15 or 20, you know. Um, I just think Charleston has more wiggle room. They have more ways to beat you. I think Hofstra on the third night, if a couple of their guys aren't hitting shots, maybe, um, you know, they're probably not going to shoot 50% from three again like they did in the first game rarely see anybody shoot those kind of percentages in a championship game and mid major basketball at any level. Um I just think Charleston has more I don't know. They have more guys who are capable of stepping up in uh throughout the tournament. And I think that they end up nipping Hofstra. But I, I think it's I think Charleston and Hofstra get to the finals fairly easily. That's just my, my opinion. I know that's pretty square and chalky. That's um that's the way I see it. All right Tommy you're gonna make it a sweep.
1: I really think this is Stony Brook's year. Um, no, <laughs> he, he went with an island team, but he just veered off. <laughs> no, you, you guys know where I'm going. Um, obviously, I'm biased, but I would love to see these guys who, who came to Charleston with a chip on their shoulder. These D2, D3, NAIA, JUCO, international kids. I think there's so many fun storylines and they all came to Charleston to, to accomplish this, and I would love to see them cut down the nets. So rooting for my Cougs. That's my pick.
2: I, I was uh, uh, just popping real quick uh, what Brian said about, you know, if one of two guys aren't hitting uh, on Tuesday night, if they get that far, like, you know, uh, Jacob and Carlos has really struggled from the field the last two games. Um, can they get three guys to hit big buckets in the second half like they did in Charleston? When Thomas, I when Estrada had twenty and change in the first half, and then he got shut down the second half. I don't know. Uh, I hope so, but again, you know, if one of those guys uh, misses three shots, Charleston wins that game, right? Put in a vacuum, you know, like they would need if Estrada and or Thomas is not Estrada and or Thomas as good as their tertiary weapons are, they would have no margin for error. Whereas if Charleston, you know, Bowen is you know, one for seven or Larson's old for eight. Okay. Here comes Robinson. Uh, you know, you know, um, Pat, you know, another wave of guys. So I just feel like, you know, again, I hope, love to be wrong. Believe me. But, uh, I just feel like, you know, eh, both terms of like, you know, tangible and intangible, you know, I, I can't argue with anybody saying that it feels like a special season for Charleston. And especially if, you know, they know they don't have a you know backup plan if they don't win that game, you know,
1: but Hey, sometimes you need, sometimes you, sometimes you need dudes in March and Charleston doesn't have a dude. And sometimes you just want to put the ball in Estrada's hands and have him lead you to victory or put it in Amari Williams hands or put it in Nick Timberlake's hands. And Tyler Thomas, hands. Yeah. Yeah. Charleston doesn't have that. So that's their weakness.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like Brian, Brian and I were talking yesterday and, and, uh, and it just, you know, I mean, again, Northeastern was really scuffling. So, so Hofstra, you know, look, you know, even better than usual, but, you know, it, it's it's a it's an operation where all five guys on the floor can score. Uh, and that's hard to defend, obviously, is go back to what you were saying about, you know, you put your best defender on their best player. What if you have another guy who shoots, scores just as well? So, yeah, dudes win in March, guards win in March, and um, you know, Hofstra certainly got two of the best ones in the league. Uh, it would be fascinating to see. Let's hope we get to see it, if it's the uh, superstar guards or the, you know hockey line waves of, uh, of players every four minutes that gets the, uh, ends up with the ends up with the scoring two, three more points in the other team.
3: Great, great bun from bruiser Flint. Uh, one year at CAA media day back when that was a real thing in a real place.
2: <laughs> and we all got the other person. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and, uh, I interviewed bruiser and then we were just sitting there talking and I never really knew him that well, but you know, we had a few moments at uh, media days. He was usually pretty frustrated when he was in Trask Coliseum and wasn't too uh, talkative after those games. But um, that particular day, we were just chatting there for a minute, and I don't know, somehow the conversation turned to defense and Bruiser's classic line. Most of these teams have only got three guys you have to guard because defense is coaching defense is easy. Most of these teams, you only have to guard three guys. And, uh, you know, you think about it, three guys who can go make a play. Now, there's a lot of guys within a system who can score a basket or play their role. Hofstra's got – you know, sometimes four, or five guys who yeah. you know, score and beat you in different ways, and you know, but as does Charleston. You know, the thing about depth, I think, is overrated this time of year, except for the fact that all nine of Charleston's pieces are so different. <laughs> you know, and and Pat does a great job of mixing and matching them game to game, or whoever's hot, based on the on what's needed. So, um, can you sustain that for every three days? Um, I guess we'll we'll find out.
2: Yeah. Like everybody, Mike Lita's always said, depth is overrated, but maybe maybe not next week. You know, when you got, like you said, you got nine guys who is not a lot of drop off. It's pretty good to have.
0: I didn't drink a lot of beer in college. That's a true story. Brew probably brought me more of the beer than anybody else. Um, (laughs) And and I've heard some stories. Um, I never heard the the, the three guys defending. That's a good one. Uh, I just, um, yeah, I I do. And I'm with you on the depth. And that's why I like Charleston is just, um, it's an example of how to use depth. Like don't look the same. You can be in a bit of an amoeba, right? You can you can play the game however you. Are. And we've talked about that as Drexel, as far as not having an identity. We talk about us not having an identity at times. I don't think that'd be frustrating. But Charleston's identity is winning. You know, screw it a little bit. You know, I mean, uh, we'll play how you want to play. Every, all of me wants to take Towson. Pat Scarry deserves it. Coming from the 0 18 games day, days to to making that program routinely relevant. That's a. That, I mean, basketball maybe the third sport at school. You know, I mean, behind the cross and football. I mean, he's got no support. Like I said, I mean, they were one seed in Baltimore, nobody came. I mean, he's made a program where there really shouldn't be one. Um, and the state gave him a stadium, that's nice. But I feel for Pat, this is a tough draw. Um, yeah, I, I won't take him. I won't take him against Charleston. I don't think that's a good good setup for them. But, yeah, is a tough out for me too. I, I actually I like them because – uh, Aaron Estrada that's why I like him that's why he, you, know, you have a unanimous player of the year how do you not you know um, yeah I, I do I think that they could really pull it off um, Juxley I actually think is, is if they started their starting lineup, they're starting left they're going to start the tournament assuming Justin Moore is eligible, You know, able to return um, I think that they would have probably finished second or third in the league like this is a good team right now guys um, and I don't say that easily Um But, you know, they'll lose to Hampton. So you don't got to worry about it. So, yeah. uh, This team is really good. Crane, we're going to lose to Hampton. It's it's. I don't like teams that – that's the other thing. I don't like teams that underperform. Drexel has at times of season definitely underperformed. Um, Towson has underperformed, um, you know, where they should be. Um, UNC Wilmington, to me, has underperformed um, where I expected them to be in conference play. And that leaves me with Charleston and Hofstra. I, everywhere I go, I can keep coming back to Charleston and Hofstra. I, I really hope I think you're all right. I really hope that's it. And I think it, that that's a hell of a ball game. Um, I'll I'll go with Charleston, but
1: good shake, good showcase for the league if they get it.
0: Great showcase in the league, so they're gonna have to get that off of CBS Sports Network somehow. Put it back on flow.
1: <laughs> I think and both of those teams circle.
3: could win a game in the tournament. You know, yes, uh, in, in their own way, uh, they both have the they check the boxes of what you would nobody would want to face Charleston's style and nobody would want to try to figure out how to guard Thomas and Estrada, you know? We've seen mid-major teams with two guards that just keep filling it up and that's how you get a 12 over a 5 or... 13, or four, 13 yeah. over a 4, whatever. I'll go a step yeah. further,
0: Brian. I think, I think I've think i always said when you have teams that are really unique stylistically in the tournament, think about the old VCUs. I always think about Syracuse, who somehow gets in the tournament every year, whether we like, whether they deserve it or not. <laughs> right. Um, if if they if you you don't want to play them on short rest, you don't want to play those teams. You don't want to play those teams on the back half of the weekend. You want to play them with four days to prepare. If Charleston, Charleston's is one of those teams, if Charleston wins a game, they can win two because it's going to suck to prepare for them on short rest.
3: And they're going to play that way in a tournament setting when a lot of teams become more half court oriented and deliberate. It's just not in their DNA. You know they're going to come forty minutes of a crash in the glass. And yeah, that's another thing, Kelsey, I, I get a, give given credit in an era where a lot of coaches have pulled back on offensive rebounds because they're so afraid of giving up transition points. They want to make sure everybody's back. He's like, uh, no, nope, I'm, I'm crashing harder <laughs> with more guys. Yeah. yeah. And good luck. Yeah. Stop it.
2: Yep. Yep. The, uh, I, I just, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure uh, Tom can, can, uh, talk about this too, but like, you know, we talk about just the, uh, you know, that this, uh, to have a season like this where where your team is, is right there. And it's not just, okay, this could work out if A, B, C, and D all work out, which is usually how it went for Hofstra for the first 15 years in the league. Or, or even to some degree, like Dan, they should, well, they could be good if this happens. Like it's it's special to have a year like this. And, you know, certainly a one versus two, someone's going to go home brokenhearted, but, you know, it feels like, you know, these teams and damn it, these fans <laughs> deserve to see those teams on Tuesday night and to have the season to try to hopefully, you know, uh, you know, uh enjoy the moment uh, to get there and then understand we may not see this again sixteen and two versus sixteen and two. And we may not see a team like Charleston where just, you know, seventy five guys from seventy five different backgrounds just gel into one great unit. Um you know, and Hofstra, you know, t- took Tyler Thomas for an up-transfer, and he's been great. You know, everything they did in the portal this year just clicked. It, does, it, does, it doesn't work that way, right? And you can always put it look good on paper, but how many times has it actually happened where, you know, you, in the moment you right, so realize, this, this is pretty cool. And it'd be great to see the two of them go out on Tuesday night and, uh, and take years off our lives,
0: <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: yeah, well, we're all setting ourselves up to appreciate the season in its totality, even if it comes to an abrupt and unfortunate end. It's been a, a good year. And yeah, like I said, I hope they get to cut down the nets, but doesn't if they don't, that doesn't you know wipe away everything they did this year.
0: All right, guys. So let's all get together. We'll do a Zoom uh, during the Northeastern Elon final on Tuesday <laughs> night. All right, right. So we can all talk about it in real time.
3: We can all admit but, that we it, know it, nothing it, about basketball. It, it, it,
2: if that happens, we're all going there. Tom already lives there, but I'll, I'll go down there for I'll that. We would be the, you guys we'll, can stay here. We would yeah, be the yeah, only we'll people do, there. Yeah, we'll do like a uh, uh, TikTok during the whole game. Can you believe this shit's happening? Look at this. It's seven versus, uh, or these was what, ten? 10 versus eight. Oh, what are the odds of that? Yeah. <laughs> Live in game.
0: All right, guys. Well, that was the good stuff. That was the good stuff. I appreciate the insight. I appreciate the fun. Um, thanks a lot for coming along.
2: Anytime. And uh, we'll come on for the, We'll come on for the final four, Hopster versus Charleston, right? When Charleston gets the at-large bid and pulls a VCU Mason.
0: We'll see you in a couple of weeks then. That'll be awesome. Right. awesome. All right, guys. <laughs> Thanks a bunch.
2: Have
0: a great night.